Ricky, 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 Ricky. What up, man? How you doing? What's up? Good, man. I'm. Oh, you know what? I want to say I'm good because I am. I like feel good, but I am pretty pissed off at Google Chromebook. <laughs> Like last yeah. time we recorded, I like I felt like I had to go in like 19 spots in the room because I thought it was like my my Wi-Fi. It yeah. turns out Chromebook just kind of sucks. Yeah, it was like you were the uh, Abari video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Atari video game. Sorry, I said Abari because we have a bar here in Charlotte that like a video game bar. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it's Abari, but Atari. You're like the Atari version, and I'm like you know. Xbox 360. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, yeah, hey, we got to get rid of the background. We got to get rid of the ticket. We got to get rid of all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it turns out it was just Chromebook because now I'm on my iPad and it's absolutely fine. So, uh, uh throw, us some, throw us some free stuff. We'll talk good about you all day. Uh, yeah. If you, if you are trying to debate whether you want a Google product or an Apple product, if you care about my opinion at all, get an Apple product because it is way, way, way better. But but other than that, other than that, it was a free Chromebook. We got it with our Verizon package, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter. But other than that, I'm pretty, pretty good. <laughs> as good as a Panthers fan could be. In this right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I got kind of sad. I don't know if you can see the shelves behind me. Uh-huh. That's where I used to do the pod, where I had like all my um, my uh, banners and stuff, my Panthers yeah. stuff. I was like putting the shelves in, and there was all these all these holes. I was like, "What? They didn't cover up these holes before we moved in?" And then I realized it was because it was I, you pin, pinning all the <laughs> flags and stuff like that that were up there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, but and the now nursery, the nursery looks good, though, man. That's a nice change. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I um, I don't know what I'm going to do when the baby comes because this is the baby's room. So uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, you'll figure uh, it out, man. That's part of the game. Nobody knows what they're going to do. It doesn't matter if it's about podcasting or if it's actually about <laughs> raising that little baby, man. You're going to figure it out one way or another. Sink or swim season. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I, man, it sucks only doing this like once a week, but I guess we're just we're both like so busy. You're busy basically being a uh, Panthers insider now. Are you officially an insider? No. Uh, not even close, man. I got no inside information. I still just have my opinion. Um, but I, I tell you, dude, I am enjoying um, diving a little bit deeper into the team with a lot of different people, right? Um, yep. We, I hosted a space on Twitter after the Thursday night football yep. game. Um, Saw that. Um, Tea Time um, did his that he normally did, um, and he's great. Uh, they do a great podcast, him and Cam. Um, then they always do this town hall after games and stuff where they host and talk about the games. He was sick and tired of talking about this awful loss in Chicago. And was like, I'm not staying up until after midnight to lament about how awful this football team is. Um, so I, I was still up. I had like two more cold beers that I had already accounted for that I was going to drink. And I was like, well, let's let's keep going. And so I did my first space. Pretty nice reviews. Um, a lot of interaction. So I think that's something that I'll try to do. Um, so yeah. if you're on Twitter and you listen to the podcast, um, I think that's something I will attempt to do once a week at least maybe. Um, throw out of space. I'm not trying to step on any toes though, because uh, Sheena Sheena Quick and Bash Die Hurts for Carolina Blitz. They just did theirs last night, and they were terrific, man. That's I mean that's the bar, yeah. right? Like what they oh, do, is yeah, yeah, bar, they're terrific. But I think that there's a demand for as much Panthers content as people can handle at this point. So uh, yeah, that's something that interests people, man. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean we because we. <laughs> Honestly, we can go in so many different directions. Like yeah. there's so much promise in different, in some areas. And there's so much 
awfulness in places that we didn't think we would be awful. Right. And it's just, it, 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 I think that you're doing the good thing is that you're like investigating the why. Like, why is this happening? Because me and you are both high on this team coming in. And yeah. I still think there's a lot of talent on this team. And I think that we're m- more talented than a lot of these teams that are more successful than we are. So, yeah, but that, so I'm glad that you were diving in deeper on this. So right. I, I'd love to like get in and talk to you about it. Cause I haven't talked to you in a, in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like let's, eight let's days. yeah. Yeah. No, no kidding, man. So let's start with uh, one of those teams that you think that we're more talented, but they actually just beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Bears, right. Let's, let's go. Uh, you want to talk. Um, basically what happened is that we couldn't move the ball. Defense played really well as usual, allowed one touchdown, mostly because they were on the field forever and um, the run game eventually just got to them and they ran the ball into the end zone. We had a chance to come back and do something at the end and we just couldn't get it done. You saw the game, you know, so let's talk about what everybody was talking about after the game. And that's uh, Bryce young. I know that you're posting a lot of stuff about, about Bryce. You still believe in Bryce. I believe in Bryce. Give me your, what you saw in uh, the game for specifically Bryce Young. Yeah. I mean, look, man, Bryce is facing the same struggles week in, week out. Right. And it starts with the offensive line. Our offensive Mm. line has just been atrocious. And I know that that's not Bryce Young. That's a different group of players, but it is the direct correlation of the performance of that unit is going to dictate essentially what Bryce can and cannot do. The type of quarterback that Bryce Young is He is not going to do what Josh Allen does. He is not going to do what Pat Mahomes does. He is not going to do what some of these guys who can take over a game with their individual athleticism and and physical traits can do, right? Bryce Young is a executioner. When he knows what the job is, he does it, and he does it to a high level. You can look at all the little charts and graphs that come out weekly, biweekly, whatever, that show the receiver separation where they are that show open windows and percentage of completed passes to open receivers. Bryce Young is on the right side of every single one of those things. His supporting cast is on the opposite end. And that just cannot be ignored when you come to Bryce Young. Now, there is something, though, that Bryce Young, and a lot of pundits have already come out and talked about this, so I I don't want to sound like I'm taking their opinions and making it mine. Daniel Jeremiah had a great stance the other day where he talked about Bryce is looking for college open as opposed to NFL open. And what that means, because there's a lot of people that I think are saying that over and over without really understanding what that means, is it's about the window. It's about anticipation, and it's about the timing and when you make that throw. And you have to use way more anticipation in the NFL than you have to do in college because of the speed of every single defender that's on the field, right? And I think that that's a great point, and it's something that we talked about a few weeks back that Matt Waldman had said that Bryce looked like he was calibrating what he can and cannot do in the NFL as opposed to what he could do at Alabama. It's still a process. He's still a rookie quarterback. But what Bryce does need to take heed on, on some of these things that people are pointing out, is he needs to speed up his internal processing and his clock. And he needs to not wait for somebody to have their hands up and have their hands out and ready to catch it. In Alabama, he could do that because he had the time. He's like, why not, right? Like, why would you make a throw that's difficult if you could wait one extra second and make it an easy throw, even if he saw that it was open, there was no need for him to do it right now. There is a stressing need for him to identify those things quicker and to make the decision and throw it. Mm. Um, that was apparent 
He he only completed 55% of his passes against Chicago, and it was only 4.9 yards per pass attempt. So the offense isn't doing him any favors either, man. It's a stagnant, static offense. Everyone talks about that as well. Um, but from Bryce's standpoint, man, I, I still just – I believe in it. I see everything that looks good with Bryce. And then these are the things that from a rookie quarterback I think you have to develop. And they're, they're also relatively common, man. Like this isn't mm-hmm. something that – is alarming to me. I, I think that we're just comparing every single thing to CJ Stroud right now. And that's because CJ Stroud is having this lights out phenomenal season. I'm talking like historically incredible season. Yeah. That's not typical, man. What Bryce is doing is very typical. And I, and I think it's a shame that we're holding him to a standard that we never should have held him to. Well, I mean, I don't want to, bring down anything about Stroud, but it is, it is kind of typical in a Shanahan. This we are in a Shanahan offense. They're very, they're very well at scheming things. They're very, uh, they do very well with uh, a first read um, throws. So he doesn't have to go through his um, progressions. Like Bryce seems to have to do. They, They make the offense very, very easy for Stroud. Just like Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy was, (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant and came in and did the same thing. CJ Stroud's coming in, but wildly more talented. Right, right. So he can, so he can do it a little bit better. I, I, I I'm going to stay away from the, cause I do like CJ Stroud a lot. I, I really, really, really like him. And I feel like I don't want to bring him back down to earth to, right. to give Bryce his, the credit that he deserves. Correct. Um, but you kind of see that with all these, uh, Alabama, uh, guys. I mean, two is the same way when he stepped in, like yep. they, it's just so much easier for them in, in college. And they, they just do have to learn the game. On yeah. NFL. And to have faced a similar circumstance where he had a offensive scheme and philosophy in place that was not beneficial to his skill set and where he excels. Yeah. And that's something that we're working with right here. And man, until, until I see Bryce given the opportunities that I think he deserves. And that I think most coaches would try to put him into I'm going to reserve all my full judgment. And I think that you should reserve judgment on a rookie quarterback anyways, right? Like it's clear yeah. these conversations 10 weeks into somebody's career, but, but I also understand because it's been disappointing, man. I don't, I'm not trying to absolve Bryce young right. shortcomings personally that he has put out on the field. He's been the first one to come out and say, he's got to be better. Right. And I agree. Yeah. I think that he does have to be better in a lot of these aspects. And I think we anticipated it being better. But when you're talking about evaluating a rookie, specifically a rookie quarterback, you're looking for glimpses of can he do those things that are high-end, top-tier, elite type of plays. And Bryce Young does have those capabilities, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And Tua finally got Armstead, right? Uh, Stroud yeah. walked into Tunsil. Purdy has Trent Williams. Like, they they have a nice benefit Absolutely. of having true elite left tackles Absolutely. and uh, and solid offensive lines in general. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's move on because um, uh, Icky did show up. Icky, uh, I mean, there's something going around that he uh, was the top rated left tackle in the, in the league last week. So yeah. we all like to bash on Icky, but now we give him his flowers. Do you think that this Icky is more what we're going to see moving forward? Or do you think that was just like a flash in the pan because Sweat was playing the other side? Yeah, I think that that's a big factor. Um, they they are relatively one-dimensional when it comes to the pass rush. The Chicago Bears are, and it's the guy that they just went out to get because before that, their pass rush was very similar to the Carolina Panthers without Brian Burns on Thursday night, right? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I, I it's not that, and, and I also take PFF grades with a huge grain of salt. We talk about that every single time. I even yeah. utter the letters PFF, um, mm. but there is enough merit to them that it's it's a it's a widely used statistic that you should look at it and 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 use it for what it is. Icky didn't play awful. Icky didn't play phenomenal. Icky played what you would expect from a second year top six pick. I thought on Thursday night against Chicago. I thought that he looked very solid, and I thought that he showed where he could still improve, but I thought that he showed that he had made some improvements, right? That's mm. what you look for. My problem with Icky is that it's very inconsistent. And until you have consistency over there, there are issues along the protections that James Campin or Thomas Brown or Frank Reich or whoever it is is trying to install and throw out there for this offensive line unit. Until you can feel comfortable allowing him to be on an island on his own that you should feel comfortable with the six overall pick, you can't do that. You can't, you can't lean into what this offense is trying to do. Last year when we hit our stride, it was because we were chipping over. We were adding protection. We were playing the power run game. We can't do that if we want to execute some of the offensive philosophy this year. Icky, I think he's just got to stay on it, man. I think that he's really got to work on the balance and the timing of his hands. Outside of that, I mean, I don't know what else he could do. I am I'm very hopeful that what we saw Thursday night is more in line with what we'll see going forward, but there hasn't been any other evidence of that this year to make me feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. Um, so uh, going uh with with so to say with Stroud right Stroud Purdy all these guys right they yeah. run a, um, a a gap scheme so they basically run right at the pass rusher to make him hold for a second so right. they don't so right. they don't come running right at Bryce Young or right right As at their quarterback so, right right exactly exactly yeah. so they help their um they help out their quarterback and their and their uh and their left tackles line. that way yeah exactly yeah. right the whole offensive line it's a great point because when we talk about people that are struggling bradley bozeman is the name that that you got to talk about right and it and it's difficult to do because everybody loves what bradley does as far as a community contributor um as a as a guy in the locker room as a leader and a guy that wants to be a carolina panther right like that's something that i know that this fan base gets very much behind and for good reason because it's part of like setting a culture um but the problem with bozeman is that he's having a bad year and it's because they're asking him to do exactly what you were just talking about operating this zone scheme where his best success in baltimore was a power gap scheme right um mm -hmm. his time in alabama was very similar and where bozeman has his difficulties and where he finds trouble is he is a six foot five center. So his natural leverage is always going to be a little bit of an issue, but his East and West movement, his lateral ability is not his calling card, man. He's a mauler. He wants mm -hmm. to get bits on you and he wants to move you. He doesn't want to get out in space. And what we're asking him to do is to get out in space. That's just not conducive to the personnel that we have. And we mm -hmm. have this conversation all the time, man. We're just not running the schemes, the schematic looks to the personnel. It's just not happening. So until we do that, I think that he's going to continue to struggle. And this offensive line unit struggles because in a zone scheme, it is a cohesive attack. Everybody relies on each other. What you said about the gap scheme, you can get out there and you get the closest guy to you and you make a play. That's the first thing that you do. Mm -hmm. And that is that initial reaction. And it takes out some of the thought process and some of the guessing that we see from guys like Icky, from Bradley Bozeman. They're a little bit unsure about their lateral abilities. They want to get their hands on you, and they want to stop you from moving. That's right. their benefit. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm gonna uh, basically you, you made a separate point that I was I was um, trying to make. 
So last week, uh, Frank Wright came out and said, we don't have an identity, but yeah. we're going to create one. And it's going to start with a run. But well, we had the we had the lead for about half the game, and we ran 13 designed run plays uh, last week. And that doesn't help your offensive line when they see, see that you're just going to pass the ball all the time. So we can just tee off on you. And then my second point for that is that with with Bozeman, we when when uh, Wilkes came in last uh, last year, we were a power run team, so we were under center a lot, which was yeah. great for a, for a center because their leverage when they snap the ball, they can use that as like a way to propel themselves forward. Right now, when you're doing shotgun all the time and you're and you're pedaling backwards as you snap the ball, mm-hmm. you have to have great footwork, great balance. It's a much more difficult thing to do. Right. So my overall point is that we are not helping out our offensive line the way we call plays. Yep. And somebody said it on Twitter. It might've been you. I can't remember who it was. Um, but so sorry, I, I'm, I didn't write any of these down, uh, but we do need to get under center more. I, I, in my opinion, because they, it also is easier to read where you're running the football. If it's, if it's in shotgun all the time, if yep. the guys wind up on the right, he's only going to run left. So Montez sweat, it's coming straight for you. Cause what, like, what are you gonna do? Run by them. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough because it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is it so bad? Like, and, so let's go into the play calling because that's another, a big, big issue because we give Tom, Thomas Brown, like two games, three games, uh, of play calling and right. Takes it right back. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> It's not. It wasn't good with him either. So, like, I don't yeah. Know what this doing. is, man. This is like one of the more loaded situations of the year, in my opinion. Um, this whole thing makes no sense, and it reeks of a meddling by Tepper, in my opinion, mm. and b incompetence across the board. Like, like honestly, man, I'm not trying to like be super negative about this because we always try to find the even keel approach and the um, look out for this at least like there are little positives you could take away but for this one I don't have any and I'll explain why Frank Reich it, he wasn't blowing the doors off with his offense anyways he scored 10 points in Atlanta in week one he scored 17 against the Saints in week two and seven of those came with like a minute and 15 seconds left in the game when they were down by 10 New Orleans didn't care about giving that up so realistically we scored 10 points in that one we scored mm-hmm. 13 points against Minnesota so three of the six games that Frank Wright called, he scored as many, if not less, points than what Thomas Brown scored in his three. One mm-hmm. of Thomas Brown's games that he was play calling on offense, we got into probably the best rhythm I thought on offense that we had gotten in, and that was against the Houston Texans. I thought the yeah. Bryce was very comfortable and just looked like he was executing an offense that he felt really familiar and good in. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't carry over. So Thomas Brown absolutely should be held accountable for the offense of the last two weeks because I thought that it was really bad. Um, You had Bryce Young with the two pick sixes against um, the Colts. That didn't help by any means, especially when on a couple of those, we were moving down the field. Like we were actually making some progress. And I think that there could have been points that came from some of those drives. So it's really tough to gauge all of that, right? Because it's all very situational. But the problem that I have is Frank Wright spoke and said, at the beginning of the season, he said it in a presser, and at the time of the change, he said it. This was a plan all along, was to pass over the play-calling duties to Thomas Brown. He wasn't sure when that was going to happen, 
but that he had the bye week as a checkpoint. He didn't come out and say that at the bye week, that's when we're going to make the change. But he absolutely said that would be a time that makes a lot of sense because it gives you a little bit of extra preparation. It gives you a time to judge what you've been doing so far. That seemed like an appropriate time to make that move. I would love to know, was it also part of this grand plan to strip him from it three weeks later? Because that seems like a very counterintuitive thing to do when you're talking about a guy getting his very first opportunity at calling plays at the NFL level. If you felt comfortable enough with the idea that he was going to be a better option at that position, I think you have to give him the reasonable time frame to execute that. The second part of all of this, though, that has serious ramifications and that I do believe to be a true thing. This is this could and most likely will have a very negative impact on Thomas Brown's career trajectory. This dude has fought very hard to get to where he was, and you could tell that it meant a lot. You saw the emotional game ball moment when they beat the Texans and Frank Wright gave him that game ball. He worked hard to get here, man. And it is not something that I can speak on directly because I'm a white guy, but you can see the disparity and discrepancy in opportunities given to black coaches and white coaches. And you can see the grace and leniency that white coaches get. Look at Josh McDaniels, man. You know what I mean? And what mm. you don't want to do is you don't want to create the situation. I heard somebody said to me and they were like, well, look, Tom, or, you know, uh, Sean McVay will take Thomas Brown back. You don't want to create this situation where the environment that Thomas Brown can succeed in only is with Sean McVay. That's very like pigeonholing him and saying that he can't do anything other than that. And I think that's very unfair. And Frank Reich, there's a lot of people saying that he's protecting Thomas to not let him get in trouble for the way that this offense is going. Man, I just don't buy into that. I don't buy that one bit. This seems more like Frank is trying to save his job, which, man, I don't fault him for it. He knows that he's up against it. He knows that this is the uh, swing game, in my opinion, right? That if they mm. get crushed here, that there, there's going to be heads that roll or somebody's going to have to answer for it at least. People say he's protecting Thomas. Thomas is not a child, and he's not Frank's child at that. He doesn't need somebody to come in and spare him from the job that he signed up for, that he was looking forward to doing. Three games is a very small sample size, man. I understand the offense didn't look good. The offense hasn't looked good the entire season. So mm. I just don't know how it's the most fair decision and how it instills any confidence, man, with the guys in the locker room, right? You yeah. talk about creating an identity and having this team believe in you and play for you. They did that for Thomas Brown against the Texans. Frank Reich had his former team the next week against the Colts, and they came out flat. I'm not saying that that is indicative of they play harder for Brown than they play for Reich. I have no way of knowing that, and I don't think that's true. They're professional football players. But it does show that they really wanted to win for Thomas, really badly. They mm -hmm. gave everything they had. You're going to go now and tell these players, the guy that you all believe in so much, I don't believe in as much. I believe in myself more. So I'm going to put myself back in the position that I already fired myself from. Three mm. weeks. It's just not a good look, man, in my opinion. And it, and it looks like we're a very dysfunctional organization right now. Yeah. I mean, Th Thomas Brown, by all accounts, is a savant. Like he, he, he's been in the league for four years. He's already an offensive coordinator. Like he is by all reputation, a very, very smart guy. And yeah. we better not ruin or let go of the future. Like Mike McDaniel, you know, like, because <laughs> everyone basically Sean McVay's talked about it. Everybody's talked about how smart he is and, and like what a great offensive mind he is. Yeah. So yeah, that makes me real, real nervous. 
Um, he's, been in the, he's been in the head coach hiring cycle the past two years. He's gotten interviews the past yeah. coaching jobs. And, and I don't think that this is going to allow that to continue. And, and look, it may, he may not have been up for a coaching job anyways, because of the way this offense was going. Right. Mm. But Frank also kind of like did this caveat where he said, you, you say he's protecting Thomas, but then he also says, but look, Thomas is still in charge of the offense. He's still involved. He's still the one running the install meetings and all of this stuff. He's still the one running the show on offense. It's just game day that I'm going to be doing the play calling. Mm-hmm. So he's not alleviating any of the pressure, responsibility, or blame from Thomas Brown. He's not protecting him. He's yeah. literally just kind of hedging his bet and saying, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired while I'm doing my thing. He said, I'm in the position I'm in because of my historically good uh, ability to call plays and my, my history as a great offensive coordinator. Dude, if you think so highly of yourself as an offensive coordinator, maybe that's all you should be. Maybe yeah. you should be a head coach because when we talk about being a head coach, getting back to that Chicago game real quick, let's talk about the play calling and and Frank Reich's role in that game. There was a situation where you're supposed to play the CEO role as a big picture coach, right? You send Eddie Pinheiro out to kick a 59-yard field goal in the 45-degree windy Chicago evening where he got released from the Chicago Bears because he couldn't kick long field goals in Chicago. And you decide that that's the right move to make as the big picture CEO. It's, it's hypocritical for multiple reasons, man. He just got done saying after we won the Texans game that as long as you got nine in that huddle, you believe that you could win. You That's who you want to have the ball in their hands when it comes down to the game on the line. And when the game was on the line, Big picture CEO coach Frank Reich, who did not have all the play calling responsibilities bogging him down that made him clear minded so that he could make the right decision, trotted out number four instead of number nine. And I'm sorry, but we all saw the body language of Eddie Pinheiro after he he missed it. He gave a shrug and he was like, well, what do you want me to do, man? I knew I wasn't going to make it. Yeah, that's that's what's yeah, that's what's killing me about this whole like the Arizona Cardinals are terrible. But man, they're having fun and they're playing hard and they enjoy what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's body language. They come in the huddle. They're just like, like that. The defense, man, Devereaux's got them fired up. They they are having a good time. Absolutely. We uh, the offense and and Eddie Eddie Pinero he he summed it all up with that shrug. It's just like they're just not engaged. They're not in it. They're not. This this roster is more talented than this, and yeah. if they have if they play with the same kind of heart that uh, that the Cardinals play with, this team is a five hundred team minimum, and I think that's what everybody's kind of. It's just like the the dismissal of like eh, like the, the Icky interview last last week where he's just like yeah. smiling the whole time, like Icky, right. you're sucking, man. You should be right. your team's one and seven. Well, yeah, then you you hear the, and then you hear that Bryce Young in the locker room after the Bears game, right? I think that it was uh, Mike K, I think, or Joe Person that, that tweeted this out, said that they asked him about what was the messaging after that Bears game. He said that Bryce Young told Miles, or Miles Sanders reported that Bryce Young told the team, he says, you got to get our shit together. Like, yeah. that's your rookie quarterback, your 22-year-old rookie quarterback that's telling that room full of veteran football players, he's like, we got to get our shit together, guys. Like, Yes, yeah. that includes Bryce Young. It does. And I don't think that he was saying, like, from a outsider's perspective, he was including himself in that. But holy shit, man, why is that guy the one that has to hold everybody right. accountable in this offense right now? Why yeah. is Frank White not in there? Like, you could talk about Ron Rivera. You could talk about some of these other coaches that we've had. Ron is a very docile guy on the sidelines. 
But when he's in that locker room, nah, man, Ron demanded respect. And he let you know when something was not going the way that it was supposed to go. I don't get that feeling at all from Frank Reich. And I know that we've strayed a little bit here, but it's kind of fallen into this organic Frank Reich. Yeah. Right now. yeah, no, it's been important. I don't get that feeling from him, man. And and I am very concerned that if that is the ongoing trajectory for him as the head coach and for this team under his guise, I don't see how seven more weeks is beneficial to anybody. I don't yeah. know how that is going to put anybody in a better position to succeed next year or the rest of their career by continuing to expose them and ask them to do the things that Frank Reich is pushing. And if guess what, man, if it's not Frank Reich, if it's David Tepper that everyone thinks is meddling and pushing all these buttons and making them do things, at some point, doesn't somebody say no thanks? Or like, or on Sundays when you're calling the plays, just don't do what he's saying. Just yeah. don't do it. Go out and do the things that you think are going to make your team successful. And if you win and he fires you because you didn't listen, that's going to make for a hell of a story. And then they're going to be vindicated with all of the thoughts, right? But if you lose doing what David Tepper says and you never do anything about it and you never say, well, look, I'm up against it. I get it. You're trying to keep a job, but do you really want a job where you can't even do the things that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's foolish. It hurts the rest of your career. People are going to judge you for this season and you can't go back retroactively and say, well, Tepper made me do it. They're going to say, all right, man, now you're just trying to cover your tracks, right? Mm-hmm. You had an awful season, you underperformed and you're putting the blame on everybody else. No, yep. man. Come out and just be honest and transparency instead of saying, we've got all the football players we need to win a game. Yeah, we won one game. You're right about that. We won one game. And if we keep yeah. on going with this way, that's all we're going to win. Yeah. I, um, my, the uh, big reason why I like this team and I like some of the acquisitions that, uh, we made. Sorry, my flight's freaking out. Hey, <laughs> Do you see fun. this light going yeah, on? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Oh, hold I didn't on know you set up the nursery for a disco. Oh my god, what is going? <laughs> is that like a wrap it up light? Did you do that because I was? Oh, talking. dude, I don't know what was going on. Like, I don't know if it was like telling me like, hey, this will, it'll automatically go out if you don't do something. I don't know. That was like a warning sign. I had no idea. That was so weird. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, but another really big reason why I like this team is like we brought all these vets in that are used to winning. All right, I'm just going to unplug this because it's getting crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I'll probably keep this all in because it's kind of entertaining. Um, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I like the vets we brought in because Miles Sanders, man, he got benched in the Super Bowl because, and he's like pissed off about it. He wanted to show the world like why that that he's better than people were saying he was Adam Thielen's been two-time pro bowler, been to an uh, AFC championship game. Yeah. You got uh, Austin Corbett in there. It's one of the Super Bowl, but you, you got these vets in there. Where are they, man? They got to step up. They got to say stuff, right? Like they ain't okay with losing. They've been lost in their entire life. Yeah. Like they, they won almost like, I don't, has Adam Thielen ever had a losing season? Has Miles Sanders ever had a losing season? It's very indicative of, of what the feeling of that locker room is perceived as, right? Right. We've got all these guys that have exactly what you're talking about, the history in the NFL and the desire to win, and yet we don't see any fire from any of them. That's what's... It's just very telling, though, that that's also just kind of the environment that has been nurtured into this particular locker room. And yeah, it's very detrimental. And like, you're just not going to win a lot of football games with that approach. Yeah. It's, so it's detrimental one for the team right now. It's yeah. 
uh, and it's detrimental for the Bryce development, and it's uh-huh. probably detrimental for the Mingo development. Like, like, yeah, look, they, man, and those two things are tied together, right? Yeah. Like, oh man, yeah. We could talk about that. Like, yeah, let's talk about Mingo because we were supposed to talk about him anyways. Yeah. So, so like, there is the last few episodes. You and I have had conversations about Jonathan Mingo and about the way that. And this t- plays into the offensive play calling too, right? And, the, and, and just the philosophy of what we're trying to do on offense. They've tried to mesh Reich and Brown's offensive views and schemes. And we know that Thomas is bringing in elements of the LA Rams, right? We know that's the calling card. And that's what people were excited about with Thomas Brown is that he was bringing that. Yeah. We've talked about the 11 personnel. Rams and Carolina Panthers operate the most out of 11 personnel. We talk about the discrepancy in shifts. That's the big thing. The Rams yeah. shifts emotions entirely more, and they run their guys on routes that actually make sense for them and from alignments that make sense for them. So I've got an interesting thing here. Jonathan Mingo's played 264 snaps. Puka Nakua's played 264 snaps. The reason that we talk about those two is because they were regarded as some of the best blocking wide receivers coming out of the draft, and that's an essential skill to have in the McVay offense. They use their wide receivers a lot in blocking, and that's where they use their shifts and motions. Um, here's the thing. Mingo aligns to the left side 43.7% of the time, Puka 42% of the time. Slot, Mingo 25% of the time, Puka 25.4% of the time. So they're in very similar alignments, right? The success rate that Mingo has against man coverage is 594 and that might sound halfway decent because you're thinking one of every two. That's really bad, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grand scheme, 59.4 is not good. Puka is 73.8, and that's kind of middle of the road, to be completely yeah. honest. Success versus zone, they're very similar. 73.3 for Mingo, 77.6 for Puka. The route tree is where it's different. Jonathan Mingo is running a curl route on 29% of his routes that he's running. Slants on 16 Posts on 13 and nine routes on 10.1. So they are asking Jonathan Mingo to run majority of curl routes and downfield big time receiver routes, right? Mm. That's not what he did at Ole Miss. It's just not his, uh, that's not his zone, man. That's not where he is going to beat you. And that's not where I thought he could make an impact in year one, which I did he could do. You look at Puka. Puka is running a dig route on 24.1%, a slant route on 22 and curls at 12.8%. What that means is that he's getting him into space, right? Yeah. Those are what those routes tell you. And where Jonathan Mingo excels is in space. So he's in space, technically, and these are the barometers that are set by reception perception, which is an outstanding tool for, for getting a read on how receivers are being used and where they're finding success. Shout out to Matt Harmon and reception perception. Um, but he's being used under their parameters. He's in space 4.1% of the sampled routes, according to reception perception. Puka is in space on 15.6 of them. That is the difference in the routes that they're running. Where Mm -hmm. Mingo is supposed to be successful is getting him into space. Where Bryce Young is successful, to tie this back to their kind of trajectories being tied to each other, where Bryce Young is outstanding is attacking the middle of the field. The middle of the field is where you find space. That's where you scheme up space. Yeah, We're not doing that. We don't use Mingo in the slot, and that's exactly where he's supposed to be. And it's because Adam Thielen is manning the slot. And he looked, Thielen's playing well. Right. But 
thing that we talk about with Thielen, he's running some of these routes that would be better suited for guys that can make something happen after, after the ball in yep. his hands. Yep. That is Mingo. Instead, we're using Mingo, Mingo as a flanker, and he's running routes that he has no business running right now, man. And, mm. and, and until we figure out those things on offense, we're going to continue to see this static offense, right? We're going to continue to see these stop routes, these routes where once you catch the ball, that's it. But the problem is we're only running mediocre at best intermediate depth routes. So mm-hmm. we're never ever going to change what we're doing on offense if we don't change the personnel and the alignments. And I thought that that was what Thomas Brown started to get into a little bit with that Texans game. It didn't go through to the next two, but that was the only glimpse I saw. That big yeah. four-yard completion for Mingo, that was an inside. He faked that inside route over the middle of the field. That defender bought it, and he took off. He did yeah. the same thing the next week, right? It's it's. There were things that Thomas Brown was identifying, and there are things that this whole staff has not done a good job of identifying and implementing. But we, we always look for the, the data that points to why we're failing. Yeah. Yeah, man, our personnel is not great, but we're also not using them the right way. Yeah, there's, 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 you know, there's a, I think it's like a little bit more nuanced because basically safeties are playing up. Everybody's playing up because we haven't proven that we can beat them deep. So everybody's playing up. So think about Jesse Bates. Like we're not crossing. We don't trust Mingo enough to cross the safeties and run the correct route. We've seen it so many times where they're off the, the same page where, um, it's supposed to be like a slant and go or something like that. And Mingo just like, it, 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 it's, it's, I don't think they trust him enough to where yeah. he won't be responsible for a turnover. Whereas yeah. Puka is much more polished, knows the playbook better, un- understands route running better. Yep. I think that he will get there. I just don't think they trust him yet, but we're not helping him out because we're not throwing the ball deep and we got to push the ball downfield, man. We got to get Terrace Marshall in there and try and make a play, man. High point of ball, get a PI called, get the team excited, yeah. get big chunk plays, excite everybody. DJ Chark was on this pod, said the same thing. You get those big chunk plays, everyone's fired up. Everybody's happy for each other. Chark also talked about using guys in different alignments, right? Yeah. Like that was the main things that he talked about. And you make a good point on um <clears throat> you make a good point on the development, right? To to get him into that position that Puka's in now. The issue is, if in practice, Mingo isn't running those routes and he's not being coached up to that ability, right? How do you anticipate developing him in the ways that he is best at playing? You can keep developing him as a flanker, as an ex-receiver, all you want to, right? You can keep on doing that. But if the plan is to get him to where Puka is, essentially, in the way that he's used and the way that he's deployed... You got to start practicing like that. Like, yeah. Practice is where you get better. There's the old saying, practice makes perfect. Well, practice also makes just better, just okay. Yeah. Like, But if you're not going to practice in the things that make sense, you're going to continue to see these results. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, w- I wonder what Thielen would look like as an ex. I kind of I just want to see it. Like in that Robert Woods kind of role. Yeah, like, look, Robert Woods isn't breaking anybody's legs by going so fast, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's just, just a, he's a try something else. Technical, something. He's a technical route. Why not try it though? Yeah, just try something else. I don't know. Um, let's 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 stop being a. <laughs> like, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's like uh, let's like look for some positive things. Yeah, let's do that. Injury report: J.C. Horn is he coming back? That's huge. Uh, oh man. Well, you know, they asked him yesterday. They said, "If you're called upon, are you ready to come in?" And he says, "100 percent, yes." So. I don't think that you throw him out there if he's not entirely 100% ready because there's no need to risk re-injuring a soft tissue injury when you're 1-8, and eight, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I also think there's a huge advantage to getting him out there, not just for the play on the field, but you get an evaluation of a guy who's coming up on that extension year, right? Yeah, um, yeah we got to decide if we want to give our fifth-year option. Or that's not. right, and that's, that's part of the future of this franchise. You have to yes. make that decision, and the yes. best way to do that is by judging it off of the play on the field, not how many right. games you missed due to injury. So right. there's a huge benefit of getting him out there. Um, but the play on the field part is also a huge benefit. We got CeeDee Lamb coming into town. Yeah. CeeDee Lamb has been absolutely balling out of his mind this season, especially the last, what, three weeks? I think he's had 14 targets each game in the last three weeks. That's remarkable, yeah. man. Like, like this Putting, putting my fantasy team on his back. No kidding, man. I wish I had. Like, my fantasy team is flailing. I, honestly, it looks like my fantasy team is being coached by Frank Reich right now. We're putting up all, like, 4.5s and 6.2s. Uh, I was 3-4, and, and, and TD Lamb broke out, and now I'm 6-4. and four. <laughs> like, He's just carrying. That's what you need, man. You need that one dynamic guy. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, so J.C. Horn being back, though, that opens up some of the things that Evero likes to do as well, right? Because it, you get that Pat Sertan kind of player that's back on the field. You get to change up some of those coverages. You get to do a little bit more of the disguising. You don't worry so much about having to have all 11 guys doing their damnedest. When you have a J.C. Horn, you yeah. got a guy over there that can either take out the side of the field, essentially, or they can take out a weapon. Right. And that is just a huge advantage to a defensive coordinator. So I'm super excited about him coming back, man. Yeah, and he does not want to play in the slot against uh, – we've just been outstanding um, yep. as far as in the, in the slot. We get, we get beat on the outside every now and then, but that's because we're on like our fourth, fifth, and sixth. Hey, you got to give Evero just a ton of credit man. for defense, right? He's really got them playing. Yeah. And then the secondary as well, I know that we've been – not us in, individually, but – us as a collective of Panther fans, we've all been very tough on like Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson has been putting together some really nice games lately, man. And I think that that's yeah. worth acknowledging. Um, I, I, Frankie Louvu, not, can't, can't say enough about the guy, man. This dude is a stud, man. Like he is a stud and I, they've got to figure out a way to keep him, keep Derek Brown and keep Brian Burns. I, yeah. I understand that we want to trade and get capital in the draft or get offensive players. And those are our big guys. We gotta stop Man. doing that. But those at some, are, at some right. point in time, cornerstones. <laughs> yes. At some point in time, you gotta stop trading for more picks. Like when you see have Chris McCaffrey go, go, right. go yeah. Right. yeah, like it's like at some point in time, we gotta say, you know what? It's time to win some games. Man, when stop. you have good players, use them to win. Don't use them for leverage. Yeah. Get those good players into positions of six to, uh, to succeed and, and yeah. let them do that, right? A, yeah. a competent GM. We'll be able to build a team around those guys. A yeah. competent GM will find second round picks, third round picks, fourth round picks that make impact. That's what all of these successful teams are doing. Yeah. That is Look why we are the Dolphins. Yes. Dolphins, Dolphins didn't have anybody at all. And they're like, all right, we're going to break the bank for Tyreek Hill. We're going to break the bank for Armstead. We're going to break the bank for uh, uh, Bradley Chubb. We're going to yep. get Jalen Ramsey. And they just did it. And, yep. and that's what the, the Saints did. The Saints are like, you know what? 
we're going to go all in. And yeah, they're going to suck for 10 years. But you know what? They, <laughs> they, we were there. They were there um, uh, for a long time. So yep. I would like to be there for a long time. Uh, <laughs> and I'd like gonna... Bryce Young to be there for a long time too, man. Like I, I, I have a personal thing with Bryce Young that I just feel like he's getting a really raw end of all of this, man. Like all yeah. of the chaos and dysfunction that we're seeing is like, just sitting there in front of this rookie who is touted as like the, you know, the guy that's supposed to lead us out of the darkness. And they're just, they're turning lights off constantly on this guy. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah, yeah. How do you want to help him get out of the dark when you are literally just taking bulbs out of every light that was working? Like yeah. it's a crazy concept that we are putting on this kid. Yeah. So social media is also like being, ter- so let's, let's talk about, uh, let's just go into like the shroud noise. Uh, let's, let's move on to this uh, preview. Cause I think this yeah. is a kind of a good thing to look at as far as like putting things in perspective. In 1998, there was a guy named Peyton Manning, um, who started one and eight. And there was this guy named Ryan leaf who started five and six. Um, and it was almost like, should they have taken Ryan leaf? But it doesn't matter because ESPN was like kind of just, becoming a thing there was no social media like nobody it was just like stuff that you would read in like the newspaper back right. when there was like newspapers um hey, some and then read papers and articles by the way shout out to <laughs> to listen to my, read my new article <laughs> no yeah no we like i'm saying like like physical oh, newspapers yeah, yeah, yeah. um oh yeah you want to uh, uh, uh promote your article real fast yeah no the article was great man i i thoroughly enjoyed writing it it's just a little uh um timeline recap basically of how we how we got here with, with yeah. the Panthers current state with David Tepper, GM, head coach, all those kinds of things. That's all it was, but it's, it's, it's a nice, um, if, if you're interested in seeing like the way that it all kind of fell together, it, it's a cohesive way of looking at how we got to where we are. Thank yeah. you. So I, I didn't mean to make that a plug, but yeah, yeah no, 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 I wish I had done that at the very beginning, but I, I just <laughs> didn't think about it because I'm oh, a selfish good. asshole. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's one time. So Ryan Leaf was five and six. Uh, C.H. Stroud's five and uh, five right now. Um, Peyton Manning was one and eight. All he could do was turn the ball over. He's starting to look like, is this really the the chosen one or whatever? And uh, he goes in and he led the, uh, at this point in time. I think he was leading the league in interceptions. He got better in the second half of the year. Ended up with 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. Um, and they go and they play the six and three jets and the jets ended up that year, 12 and four, they won the East easily. Um, and he went in there and they, he won the game, uh, 24, 23 against the six and three jets. That was the last loss they had that year. So we've seen this before, as far as the number one pick, not looking so good. The number two pick yeah. looking good and yeah. just gotta be careful not to crown these guys, and we were talking about this before the uh, episode. You still got to play the games, right? You still got to play the games, right? And after the Cowboys running on this high right now, it does open up a little bit of a window that maybe there's some sort of trap game, like what they had with the Cardinals earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I think, but my what I'm scared about is that because they had it earlier in the year, that they won't have right. it again, right? Um, so. Let, with all of this negativity and all this, this has happened before. We have seen yeah. it before. And Peyton Manning became one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And that dude had Marvin Harrison and Marshall Falk on that team. So exactly. it, it happens. Um, yeah. And so let's go into the Cowboys uh, a preview um, because I think we've talked enough about what's going yeah. on with uh, yeah. going on with Forrest. So let's get it with, like, let's get to the future instead of 
still talking about the past. Sure. Um, so I think the biggest, biggest thing that we're going to have to do is actually one of our strengths, and we got to stop the pass. Yeah. How do you see us? I think Horn's going to help. How do you see us finding a way to limit that high-powered uh, Cowboy offense? Well, so it's going to be interesting because Evero has one of the adjustments that I think that he's made recently um, that has really helped this defense is that he has used less of the two high looks. He's, he's been running a little bit more of, of one safety high out there to kind of bring in more guys on the box and help against the run because that has been our deficiency all year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that if he switches back to that. Now, having J.C. Horn might allow him to do that a little bit easier because you could feel comfortable with a player out there on an island and playing one-on-one against somebody or taking out an individual side of the field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the passing, for, the, for stopping their pass game, though, it starts with trying to get pressure. And one of the great things is that Brian Burns was back in practice. Mm-hmm. That's a huge if Brian Burns can get back out there, and if Marquise Haynes can play a little bit more than what he did on Thursday, I think he only played like 18 snaps or something like that on Thursday coming back from his back injury. But if he's working his way back into fully healthy and he has Burns on the opposite side taking away some of that attention that he faces in his situational rush usage, I think that that opens up a possibility to try to get after them. The, the big roadblock <laughs> of that incredible grand scheme is that the Cowboys also have a pretty good offensive line. And as of late, they've been playing really well. Their left tackle, Tyron Smith, he's like turned back the clock in the past few games, man. And 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 then their uh, left guard, I think it's Tyler Smith. Man, that, yeah. dude, is, that dude is a beast. And he's undrafted. No, no, he's no, Terry Steele's Terry, Terry Steele's undrafted. Sorry, yeah, Tyler yeah. Smith. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler Smith was, was either a first round, first or second, or second round. yeah, yeah. yeah. Out of I was thinking Terry uh, Steele, and he's just a mammoth dude. Like he's a big fella. He's strong, but he's got like very underrated athleticism for that guard position. Um, he's one of those guys that during the pre-draft process they were talking about was he going to play guard or tackle because of the ability that he had athletically. Um, so it's going to be difficult to generate pressure, but that's where you have to start. I'd be interested to see if they try to draw up any kind of blitzing. The Dallas Cowboys, they're a very heavy play-action team. That's where they get a lot of their success, too. They run play-action on like 27% of their snaps, I believe. Um, that's that's a lot. And, and a lot of that comes from how balanced their offensive approach is. You know what I mean? Like They, they mm. are efficient in both elements of the offense. I know that we started talking about the, the pass game, but I think it's all just very linked with their run game as well. Because their run game, they're seventh in the league in yards, thirteenth in rush yards, seventh in pass yards. So there's just this very balanced approach, and that's what plays into that play action. And the play action is how they get these big plays. And CD Lamb has been explosive. Like you talk about what he's been able to do, it's been these big plays of twenty or thirty or more yards that he has started to string together that are just crippling, and they are in big moments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are the game changing plays, man. When you have these, um big yardage chunks and some of them go for scores, but they reset the field position, right? They mm-hmm. change what you're doing. You are no longer dinking and dunking like the Panthers always have to do. And you're no longer just rattling off five, six yards, four yards, whatever on a rush. You get that big chunk, man. It's like eight plays in one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? From a, from a sequencing standpoint, changes the approach. It changes what a defense feels comfortable doing. It makes everybody second guess. They also run a nice um, balance of personnel. They don't, 
Yeah. Joe Figueroa, they don't play 11 personnel on like 95% of the snaps. Yeah. They run 11 personnel on 58% of their snaps, and they run yeah. 12 personnel on 15. They use shifts and motions on 55%. They run a pretty efficient offense, to be completely honest, man. Yeah. And that does give me a little bit of pause when it comes to this Panthers defense because of the lack of discipline that sometimes we've shown. Um, but I think Everett's going to have his guys ready. I'm, I'm less concerned about the defensive side of the of the Panthers team against the Cowboys. Um, I I have a really hard time seeing the other side working out super well. Yeah, yeah. They, they I mean, you stop CD, you stop Cooks, you stop Pollard, and then Gallup just randomly gets a 50 yard catch or right. like. Like um, Tolbert is just there, and like Jake, Fer- like they they they're so good. And this the uh, Cowboys are my Super Bowl pick, by the way. There's my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the year, <clears throat> and I think they're starting to turn it on at the at the right time. Um, so I'm not. I don't really have a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot Maybe. of. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't really. I don't honestly. I honestly don't see a way we can win this game at all. Um, I, my, it, it's just. They get paid too. We get paid too. So, like, that's the only yeah. thing that I can think of. Well, you got to play the game. You got to yeah. play the game. We talked yeah. about no matter what it is on paper. And, you know, you talk about the Texans and a trap game and all this stuff. Look what the Texans did to Cincinnati last week, right? Yeah. If you have somebody who's not expecting to get, and I, it's not that the Texans really should even be looked at as like a trap team anymore. They're, they're a legitimate football team. Yeah. When, you know, it has a possibility of winning any game they're in. Right. But it still is. Cincinnati plays Baltimore tonight. It's Thursday. They play Baltimore tonight in a big divisional game. They very easily could have been looking ahead and saying, hey, this is the game that we're supposed to win, and the next game is going to be really tough and give us a gauge of where we are. Um, Just to get back to the defense for one second on the Panthers, too, we've seen teams come in, and and their approach has been pass-heavy and stuff like that, but we've seen teams identify our deficiency as, as a run defense, and we've seen them attack that. Now, the Cowboys aren't bad at the run like we just talked about but i think that they're going to look and see there's a couple of statistics that i wrote down before we did this that i want to say 42.8 percent of the yardage against carolina has been gained via rushing that's the second highest rate in the league 57.7 percent of the touchdowns allowed by the panthers have been rushing touchdowns that's 31st in the league there is a very obvious um successful approach for our opponents to take and if the Cowboys get into a lead, it, this is this is where I find it almost insurmountable to guess that we could win the game. Right? Yes. Oh, if okay. they get a lead <laughs> and they start running the ball, which they're already good at, that's already a strength of their team. Yeah. How do we stop that, man? Like, because then they become just even more like multi-dimensional. Yeah. We are expecting them to run. They're a very good play-action team. We're just gonna be guessing. So much, man, and I I worry about that. Now, if we had if we had a dynamic offense, maybe I could tie myself to saying, "Look, we get into a shootout. Anybody can win a shootout." Um, we don't have a dynamic offense, and the Dallas Cowboys are a pretty damn good defense, right? Their defense. Let's let's talk about their defense. The Dallas Cowboys are fourth in points allowed. They're second in yards allowed. 12th in rushing yards allowed, second in pass yards allowed, which is really bad news for us, right? If you already have a team that's really good defending the pass, man, like I, that's just not a um, encouraging sign for us. They're 13th in sacks, but here's what I'll say about their sack total. They lead the league in terms of the pressure rate at 47.3%. <laughs> 
we have an offensive line that has just been hemorrhaging pressure <laughs> opportunities for the opponents. Um, Micah Parsons, I don't know if anyone has heard of him. He's a pretty good defensive player, outside linebacker, pass rusher. He is probably, I don't even know if he'll have to like take a bus or anything here. I think that he's probably drooling so much from the matchup. He can just slide (laughs) out of Texas right into Bank of America Stadium. Because this is a incredible opportunity for him to come out and have his defensive MVP type of game where he puts together three and a half sacks, strip fumble, whatever it is. I am not hoping for any of that, but from a realistic standpoint, man, you got to look at what this Cowboys team brings to the table and where our deficiencies are. And it's, it's a pretty bad matchup for us. And I know that um, Sheena quick talked about this before it's in my article from a couple of days ago. There is remnants of the San Francisco game last year. Mm where we got crushed. I think it was 37 to 15, 35, 17 in bank of America by the San Francisco 49ers. The crowd was all red and gold, right? You know, it's going to be all yeah, man. It looked like a Christmas tree out there, man. But so we know that the Cowboys are going to be probably at least 70% of the stadium is going to be Cowboys fans. At least they travel. Well, that's just because in my article, I say this too. It's not because they travel. Well, it's because they're everywhere. Cowboys yeah. fans are everywhere. Just like their sister teams, the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Yankees. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where if you're from Dallas or if you're from anywhere in the United States and you like front runners, those are your teams, right? Yeah. Um, but so, we're running into a very eerily similar situation as that 49ers game. So somebody mm-hmm. asked me the other day, they're like, so what do you feel good about with this Dallas Cowboys game? Right. That's the part that I'll point to, because do you know what happened after that game? <laughs> they fired Matt rule, you know, yeah. that, that big embarrassment of the crowd being so much 49ers, the game being so lopsided. That was the point where he said, we've got to make a sweeping change. So, yeah. If that were to be the case again, and I hope it's not, man, I hope the Panthers win. I'm not hoping for them to lose just so that we can get rid of Frank Reich. He's going to do that on his own. He doesn't need us. To help <laughs> that. Um, I want us to win. But if if they don't win, I, I really hope that it is time to start considering the long-term trajectory of this football team. Yeah. The problem is that we need a Reich, Frank Reich. We got to run the football. Like, no more third. We, we, God, that's the only way we have a chance. We got to keep yep. that. We got to hold on to the ball. We got to control time of possession mm-hmm. and keep that defense on the field and that offense off the field. Yep. And that's a right type. Usually that's a right, right type scheme. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the ground game too, because Chuba Hubbard is starting to lose his footing as the lead back on this offense. He yeah. went 70.8% of touches down to 61. Yeah. If Miles Sanders is starting to get more involved. He's getting uh, healthy. He's getting healthy. And that's good, man. Like I'm not, I'm not mad that our big free agent off off season addition is <clears throat> getting healthy and is going to possibly be able to contribute the way that we wanted him to contribute. Right. But we've got to figure out the balance of how to use these guys and which situations are they more effective in, right? Dallas is allowing 3.6 yards per carry. That's six and just 10.4 rushing points per game in a fantasy aspect. So that shows you that not only from the yardage, but the scoring, 
And that's, that's why I mentioned the fantasy part is because it's a little bit easier to identify where they get yardage and where they get touchdowns. From yeah. a collective 10 points on a fantasy perspective means that you're not getting more than 40 yards if you get a touchdown. Or yeah. you're not getting a touchdown if you're going to go for more than 50. Right, right, right. right. It's a very limiting um, defense. We'll see. Well, I, I got I got hope. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, also, going back to like the Cincy Trap game, they didn't have T. Higgins. They basically have half of yeah. Jamar Chase. They yeah. didn't have Hendrickson. They, they were beat up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were, and Tyler Boyd should have caught the ball to win the game. Yep. The Cowboys don't have anybody that's even limited in practice. They're all yeah. in practice. Like they're going to be Right, man. And they just stomped a 49 to 17 mud hole in the New York Giants last week as well. And maybe that helps because they're coming off of such a big win and they're playing a down team that they're like, all right, let's just go over and walk through this one and let's get on to week 12. Maybe they do have commanders great. on Thanksgiving that they might be, might be looking ahead. Maybe, maybe, but, but you know what, man, at this point too, don't you even feel like if you're looking ahead, you still might walk over us pretty easily. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh hey, man. Man, you still got to come out there and play the game. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I'm not going to watch the game on Sunday. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Dude, I love the Panthers. I'm going to continue to root for this team. I'm going to continue to watch them and break them down. I, I want to find the ways that this team can win. I want everyone else to kind of like, I don't know, find something to enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pick a player, pick a player and, and just say on that day, if he touches the ball, chug a beer. You know what I mean? Do something. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Like, I don't know how to sell it. If you're, if you're already jumping off ship, I can't really get you back on. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you're on, just hang on, dude. Like there is still reasons to watch this team. Our future is still on this roster. Um, yeah, they, they aren't the ones that are deploying them, but our, our future of our team is still on this roster. So yeah. watch these young players, watch this defense that Evero has really clicking and playing together. That's worth watching, man. And I think yeah. we might have a little bit more resistance to the Cowboys than people are giving us. Yeah. At the end of the day, we have two, in my opinion, two special, special players on this team in Bryce Young and Frankie Luvu. And when you have, when you have special players, sometimes Things can happen. So, yep. we'll see. You have a prediction for this game? Oh, man. Um, do I have a prediction? Yeah, sure. Let's go 36 <laughs> to 13. <laughs> 36 13. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I have it at. 24-14. And, and, and now let's let's do a full transparency for the listeners. Do you have any wagers in? Yeah, I do. <laughs> that 10-point spread might actually matter a little bit to you. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the Panthers plus. I have a parlay, um, a pretty decent decent parlay with uh, Panthers plus 10.5. Yeah, Bryce over, over a half touchdown. Uh, Dak yeah. under 251. And a half passing yards and Bryce over 10 and a half rushing yards. See, that's I, the difference in real life and wagering is you got that hook attached to that 10, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you wanted to be 24, 14. You were trying to will that. I know the more we started yeah. talking about it, the more I was like, we uh-huh. might not score. <laughs> we don't right. I mean, honestly, that is what I'm worried about. And the 36 points that I'm predicting for Dallas, 
I, I don't want Bryce Young to have any other kind of turnovers that produce points, but they've got a safety in Dallas that is, I think he's leading the league in pick sixes. Um, and, and it's just not one of those things that you can count out from them because it's something that they've shown the ability to do and we've shown the ability to give them up. So 36 may not all be on Evero, but I don't see us scoring much. And I could almost see seven of that 13 coming from our defense, to be completely honest. We need we need the uh, <laughs> we need the Josh Allen, um, uh, you know, the Buffalo-Lawrence game where Lawrence... Yeah. <laughs> when Lawrence like had one, well, they were like one in six or something, and they beat Buffalo nine to six. That's what we yep. need. <laughs> or we need a Frankie Louvu. Um, you remember the color rush jerseys on Thanksgiving? I think it was the Cowboys and the and the Panthers. It may may not have been Thanksgiving. It was a Thursday night game, but uh, Luke, we had the interception that he returned for a touchdown. Let's get going uh, with that, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, Thanksgiving, um, two thousand seventeen ish. Okay, so yeah, because that's when we. We took out Tony Romo for good that game. Like yeah, he had just right. come back, and we, you know, we sorry, Tony Romo. Yeah, <laughs> doing all right for him. I think that was his, I think that was his last game ever um, that he started. That's all right. He jumped yeah. into the booth real quick. Yeah, yeah. And he was bad. He was good, then he was bad. And now he's good again. I think so. It's really similar to his NFL career. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. You got anything else? I think we've uh, we've covered a lot. Um, it's very informative. I'm glad that you are uh, so in there, like swimwear, because having a kid is not allowing me to do it as much. Yeah, man. Look, been down that road. I get it, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to be informed. I'm sad about the information that I'm absorbing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, but guess what, man? I, I am still an optimist at, at heart. So I'm yeah. not going to look at this season and say that it has detracted from my overall goal. That's Bryce Young. We're going to watch what we do this Sunday. We'll be back to talk about it next week. Um, and until then, man, we'll just sit here and we'll, we'll try to find silver linings. To be fair, if, if we do possibly pull it off, yeah. we're only two games back in the decision. Oh, don't do that. No way. Don't do and it. We got, we got don't even say that garbage. <laughs> See, look, I, I think that Alex has pregnancy brain right now because he's over here saying crazy things because he's having a baby. Don't, don't take any of that to heart. He's betting ten and a half for the fans. Don't listen to him this week. <laughs> we win. We're two games back, and we still got the Saints and the Falcons. Oh, um, all right, that's cool. Let's so let's end it like we always do with uh, please, Panthers, please. If you if you could ever like. Bring it out of you. Please keep pounding. Keep pounding.